This is Catherine Parker from The Haunting of Hill House. You're listening to Derek Thomas and the Monday Morning Critic Podcast. My next guest filmography includes E.T., The Howling, and Cujo, among the many, many uh, movies she's done before. She's very inspiring. She's very brave. She's very talented. Her name is Dee Wallace. Dee, thank you so much for giving me some time out of your very busy schedule today. I am thrilled to be here with you, sir. Thank you. So there's so much here. So, And I know that... Um, I told you this off air briefly. I said, you know, I went in thinking, you know, I, I love this this person's work as an actor, and you're still kicking butt as an actor, uh, by the way. And thank you. And I, I came to the realization that you know this phenomenal actor is even a better human being, and, and we're going to get to why in, in, in a few moments. But my goodness, D, I, I was just I'm blown away by by what you do in your life. <laughs> Me too, and I love it, and thank you for that, yes. So, you know, you're born in Kansas, you're a Jayhawk, you go on to the University of Kansas, which is phenomenal, right? Um, yep. Education degree, do you ever wonder what your life would have been if you stick, because you were a teacher at a high school, I believe, do you ever wonder what your life would have been like Have you had you continued down that path? Oh, I would like to have. I would like to think that it would have been just as fulfilling in an entirely different way. Um, I love to teach. I, I'm kind of a natural teacher. And I taught a year of high school and then left to seek my fame and fortune in New York. But I've had my own dance studio. I had my own acting studio out here for 18 years. Um, I, I teach in all my healing work now. I, I just love to teach. I love to um, see people expand and move into their power in any way that I can be a part of that, whether it's as an actress or a teacher or um, teaching people to live conscious lives. I, I love that. That kind of, you know, is what keeps me going. Yeah, I mean, and, and things aren't easy for you at the time, right? Because you have, you know, you lose dad, and I, and I just lost my dad, so I get what it's like. I mean, it's it's not. Oh, sorry. Yes, I appreciate that. It's not an easy thing. I mean, your brother suffers through some adversity, and and, and I'm going to touch on this later as well. You're kind of a person, and it's and I'm I'm saying this because it's it's amazing. On screen and off screen, you're kind of the person that people always look to to kind of, I don't want to say save them, but to help them to kind of, is that a fair assessment? Do you, um, you know, when you say it that way, I, I, I couldn't stand behind that uh, statement because that's my intention 
is to love and help empower people. And I think I do that. I know I do that every day in my life because that's the conscious, you know, choice that I've, I've made. So whether it's in my acting or, uh, you know, like let's just take Cujo or E.T., both of those were about mothers and what they would go through to protect their child and their children and and teach them and love them and give up her life for them if she had to mm. and and it's a it's a theme that's very close to my heart because I know from my teaching that everything is about love. And if you just bring yourself back to love, you will have the answer. And um, I think a lot of us have forgotten that. We're so involved these days in our judgment on social media and everything and judging everybody. And as soon as you move into judgment, you move out of love. Oh, and and I, I think you're seeing a world that's being consumed with that lesson right now, that the judgment and the hate doesn't work. It's not working. We're going down, and we're going down pretty fast. And we are consciously in every moment at the choice of raising ourselves back up into love and positivity in the world we want to live in. No, that's so beautifully said. And, and, and you know, and you're referred to as, you know, the, the scream queen. But I got to tell you, you're so much more than that. It's not even funny. Like it's, it's you're so you are so eclectic and you are a life coach now. You're still acting and. I have to say, you know, when I see these life coaches, many of them, without getting negative, I, I, I never, I don't always sense a sincerity to them. But with you, my goodness, D, you were talking, I've watched a ton of your videos this past week. My God, you get through to your audience and it comes from a place of honesty and love. And it, people can tell that it's not forced, it's not fake. And I think that's one of the things I appreciate most about what you're doing right now. Well, first of all, I applaud you that you really did your homework and did all that. I'm so appreciative uh, because, you know, I do probably 30 interviews at least a month, and that's not always the case. So thank you for that respect. Um, and, uh, you know, I proudly uh, will adopt the the crown of Scream Queen, and yes, I do a lot of other things in my life. Um, but again, in everything I do, I think the most important thing is to be authentic and be who you really are. Mm. And because people can tell in a performance when you're not really there, and they can certainly tell in your performance of life if if you're full of BS and you don't really care about them. No, that is so well said. And, and, and there's a couple other things I want to touch on with your life coach because your your position as in your profession as a life coach because I like a lot of what you're saying and doing. But I want to work my way there a little bit. So we all know you. You have 200 plus film credits. Um, you study with two legendary people, Uta Hagen and Charles Conrad. My gosh, like. How much do you take yes. out of that? Like how, the actor that you are today, D. Right? How much is, of it is it as a result of what those two individuals did for you? Huge. 
especially Charles. Um, I mean, I loved studying with Uta Hagen. She's an icon, um, and she believed in me right from the start. But when I found Charles, I found the technique that spoke to me and opened up my talent. And at the time, it was revolutionary. No one was teaching the technique that Charles was teaching. And um, it... In a nutshell, it's based on getting your energy exceptionally high, throwing your energy toward whatever it is you're working with, whether it's a monster or a person or (laughs) a beautiful scene that you're looking at, and then really not thinking, not working on it, but being there 100% in the moment. I would have never gotten through Cujo without this technique. No, and, and I was going yeah, and I was that's well said, Dean. And I was going to say, you know, when I look at your work, he's almost like the perfect acting coach for what you've done and I mean, obviously you're much more than horror and, and I get that, but he's almost like an acting coach that was perfectly suited for you. Oh, yeah. I just uh, he gave me my freedom. Uh, because, um, you know, even when I used to write my themes in, in school, um, and they'd want you in high school, you know, make the breakdown and make the outline. I never could do any of that. I just had to sit down and write the darn thing, <laughs> right? And uh, acting is the same way for me. But, again, it, this is a definite technique. But the less I think about stuff in the script the better my performance is because what Dee would do is not necessarily what Mary or Donna would do I mean if I had sat down and really worked on the reaction to no penis breath talk in my house (laughs) I seriously (laughs) doubt that if I'd worked that too much I would have chosen to laugh about it (laughs) and it's so right and it's so normal and it's so what mothers do Right. Yes. And um, I, I just, I, I send blessings to Charles. We lost him three or four years ago. Um, fortunately, I tracked him down and was able to talk to him before he made his passing. And um, he was the same. I, I used to call him Chuck, and uh, he, he was just the same irreverent, beautiful, creative person. Um, Yes, I will be indebted to him forever for opening up this amazing um, technique for me. Yeah, and and I'm going to say, you know, um, are you familiar with the show? Now it's a couple years back, but the the show Wonder Years. Do you remember that show? Um, Oh, sure. Yeah, so I have to say, like, I I love my parents, obviously, but if I had to pick, like, a TV-slash-movie mom and dad, I would have picked Dan Laurie, the dad from Wonder Years, who's also been on this show, and I certainly would have picked you. So that's the effect that you guys have, I think, not only on me, but on, on, on many of your fans with the work that you put forth. I never once doubted how much you cared for those kids. Like, I, it just it just screams, it screams genuine. It, it's, it's so authentic, D. I, I don't think I've ever seen anything like it. Well, aren't you sweet? Thank you. I... I really do take pride. I think that's my job for my fans is to be in the moment and be as authentic and honest 
whether I'm running from a monster or I'm putting a kid to bed. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. if if I'm really there as the character, then the audience has got to come along on that ride with me. Yeah, and before I get to you know three of the most amazing movies maybe of all time, you have some other work that in your interviews I wish people would talk about more. I mean, they might be smaller parts or but these shows are legendary like Simon and Simon and Chips and Heart to Heart and Taxi and Barnaby Jones like people don't talk about that enough too because those shows are absolutely legendary. Well, yeah, and that was the beginning. I mean, you know, I, every actor pretty much starts in small independent films or guest stars on TV. Mm. And and that was that was my training ground, you know, for my later work. And, um, I mean, those were the golden days where an actor, if, if I did um, a, a show on TV and they liked me and I liked them, you knew you were going to do that show every year. Now they've got this you know, belief that if once you've done the show, you can't be back on it in another character. I did five murders she wrote, mm. right? Mm. So I, I think it's kind of too bad that um, that we crossed over into that because there's so many good shows. I just had the opportunity of doing NCIS with Mark Harmon. Wow! It aired, I think, a couple of months ago. I'm telling you, it was one of the loveliest experiences I've had in a long time. Um, he was fabulous. He he runs a, an amazing show with kind people. The whole set is just harmonious, and it was just a beautiful experience for me. And, you know, I, I would love to go back and do another one as another character next season or something, but... I don't think they do that anymore. <laughs> no, you know. It's, but I said to Mark, I said, no, but you've got a lot of other shows you produce, dude. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I look at your, you know, you had a three-year span. Obviously, you're, you're, you're still, like I mentioned, you're still a very successful, very working actor. But I have to say, I look at this three-year stretch, and, and, I, I, and I can't wait to hear it from you, but I've read what you've said about the toll that filming Cujo took on you. But even before that, I mean, you had the Howling in 81, E.T. in 82, you make the jump to Cujo in 83. You had to be absolutely exhausted. I mean, it's a good thing that you are you were working, and, and millions of actors would have traded places with you. But how exhausted were you at the end of that three-year stretch, specifically because Cujo took such a toll on you? Yeah, uh, I was I was going to say I, I didn't get exhausted uh, because I'm doing what I love until I did Cujo. And my God, it was relentless. It was the hardest thing I have ever tackled in my life. They um, treated me for exhaustion wow. for three months. Well, no, not three months, three weeks after I finished shooting. But, you know, I mean, when you're working with a six-year-old kid and a dog... You've got to be on every single solitary second because when when they're lucky enough to get the kid and the dog in the same scene working together and it all works, you better believe you better be on because they're mm. going to print that mm. whether you're the best you can be or not. So, you know, it was just a, a real labor of love for all of us. And... Um, 
just the the vehicle that I'm most proud of. Yeah, and, and, and you know, you're kind of the the. It almost reminds me of a, of a quarterback of a football team. You're while the director's phenomenal. You have these other great pieces of the film. You're kind of holding it together because, like you said, you're dealing with the unpredictability of a child and and the dog. My gosh, I mean, that alone would send somebody over the edge. But then, did you find the that it was the that which added to your exhaustion? Was it just the the nature of the film? Was it just everything combined that just just really? Kind I of think worked? it was everything combined because I was pretty much in every single scene. Uh, we were working, most people think we were dying of the heat. Actually, we were really cold. It was in Northern California um, and the rainy season, so we were working around that. But they would pick me up at 5 a.m. every morning. I was lucky if I got home by 8 or 8.30. And, you know, every time you see a relentless scene in Cujo, which is three-fourths of the film, mm. you have to understand that we had to shoot it four, five, or six, sometimes ten times uh, in order to get the dog. And and Danny and I working together and then all the close-ups. And it's exhausting. And, uh, you know, but at the same time, it's so rewarding and challenging. But it's a... It's a, it's an experience you you always have to be on your toes, not to let down and not to let your energy down. Yeah, and when again, yeah, that's our job for our fans. Yeah, and then you, you've got the ch- the young ki- the child actors biting you for real. That that doesn't feel great. I I, I assume. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> he really got into it. But and my you know hand wasn't supposed to be able to break the back of the pento. That was all. Uh, you know, they never uh, take into account the adrenaline that runs through an actor. Right. Yeah, and, and safe to say that you you never want to see a Ford Pinto again in your life, right? I mean, if you ever come across ever, <laughs> never, ever, ever. <laughs> so I have to say, you know, Stephen King said that your performance, and I'm sure you've heard this before, as Donna Trent is is the best of any adaption of his books. And for those of you listening, keep in mind this is the same man who did the Shawshank Redemption, the Green Mile, Misery. When he says your performance is one is the best from any adaption of his books. That's got to be the highest praise on the planet, right? You bet. You bet, especially for a film like Cujo. And I am very grateful and indebted to Stephen for coming forward to say that. It means a lot to me. And, and, you know, just moving our way over to E.T., I love your quote. And I think it was you that said it was our generation's Wizard of Oz, right? I think that's what you said. Yep. Yeah, I, I I, I completely agree. And then some, why do you think, you know, maybe as a fan too, that it hits home because I don't think there's a person that says, boy, I didn't like E.T. Like, it is the most universally, I feel like, appreciated movie maybe ever made. I agree with that. And it's still changing lives and reaching people's hearts. And, you know, it's when you see E.T., there's something about it that just transcends our our limitations and our judgments and um, I have stories of autistic young men, uh, boys who were like 10 and their mother had never heard them speak and they went to CET and on the way home they started saying every line that ET said wow can you imagine wow. that miracle in a mother's life oh where you've God. never heard your child say anything 
and they see it just reaches in us and brings up something about the truth that we all know. Yeah, and I have to say, you know, I rewatched it this weekend knowing I was going mean, to, I must watch it once a month, but I, I rewatched it again knowing I was going to speak with you. And I, Dee, this is so embarrassing. Like a grown man, my girlfriend's looking at me like I'm insane. I'm like weeping. There's a scene where Henry Thomas is playing with his Star Wars figures. And it's not just one or two scenes that I was crying at. I mean, it's like the whole movie. And they're, I want to say they're tears of joy. A lot of what, which because they're, they're, they're it's an unbelievable movie. But also because it's a time that's, I don't want to say long gone, that makes me sound old, but I don't know, I just feel like there's sentimental value to this film, it's nostalgia, it's just, it's beautiful for so many reasons. Yes, I agree, and don't feel bad. I've probably seen it over 200 times, and I cry every time I watch it. (laughs) It's just that kind of film. Yeah, When you work with Henry Thomas and Drew Barrymore when they were kids, did you know that they were special? Do you you know that right away? Oh, sure. Oh, sure. Um, You know, I work with a lot of kids, and, and they were special. They'd been raised well. Um, Henry was just the sweetest kid on earth. Um, for me to be able to work with Henry and Danny Pintaro in the same career, I feel really blessed, and I mean that. Yeah, I'm sure they would say the same thing about you. And, you know, I have to say Henry Thomas plays, and I'm going a little bit off track here, but he plays a wonderful father in The Haunting of Hill House on Netflix, and he's so good. Oh, isn't it great? Oh, yeah. my God. He Talk about tears, my goodness gracious. Um, yeah, that's a, it's a great series. Yeah, and Dee, I wanted to ask you, you know, we see Steven Spielberg on the outside. We know the great stories. We know the great human being. From the inside, what is he like? Because you obviously deal with him. He obviously thinks the world of you. How would you talk about him to somebody who maybe doesn't know working with him? Or Well, you know, actually, I, I don't have uh, much of a relationship with Stephen after the shooting of the film. Right. Um, but he was, he was like kind of a... A father figure to everybody is the best way I can explain it. You know, the kids that go in and play video games with him, and um, he he's brilliant in knowing exactly what he wants and hiring the people that he can give it to and communicating to his actors in a way that... Um, doesn't put you in a box that allows you to still be free and play and, you know, bring some of your best stuff in. Yeah, and, and one of the things that people, I think, maybe realize but don't spend, you know, spend a lot of time or, or focus on, and they should, and, you know, obviously divorce is huge in life, right? And he spends a lot of time in his movies he doesn't address divorce really, but he does with the whole the whole theme of the movie. He addresses absent fathers. I mean, he doesn't get enough credit for that. I feel like D. Like that's a re- like a lot of these kids watching these movies in the eighties or even today can relate to that and are I don't want to say thankful, but like they could they they know. Oh that. yeah, I I actually have guys coming up to my table. One guy, he was in his. 20s, maybe early 30s, and he said, you know, D, I lived in this little tiny town, and my parents got divorced, and I was an outcast. My friends wouldn't talk to me, and E.T. came out, and all of a sudden, it was okay. I was accepted again. Mm-hmm. I mean, we don't realize the power that a film can have 
in all our lives. And E.T. has touched people across the world. And, and continues. I mean, when do you ever see a movie last in a theater for a year? For a, mo, mo, Many movies are in there for two weeks and gone. E.T. was in the th- cinemas for one full year. That in itself, D, is, is unbelievable. Yep. You know? I think that's a record. Yeah. Sure. You know, when I was doing some research here, I found a few obscure things. Like, I never knew E.T.'s face was a combination of Einstein, a pug, and Carl Sandburg. Like, that, I couldn't stop laughing when I read that. Like, that is so insane. But when I, I looked at him, I'm like, that well, makes sense. whatever it's a combination of, Carl Rambaldi created an amazingly um, real but emotionally available character out of rubber. I mean, that's brilliance in itself. Mm. And let's face it, if E.T. didn't have that, we wouldn't have had a film. No, absolutely. And I just, you said it before. I think, and I've talked about this with other guests, with friends I have, I do think movies and certain television shows can be life-changing you know, people embrace these shows. You mentioned you go to Comic-Cons. Um, do you still go to a lot of Comic-Cons, D, or is it sporadic? I, I don't do uh, many Comic-Cons. I'm doing uh, the one in San Diego coming up. I'm going down for the studio wow. for um, um, Critters, which airs on Sci-Fi in September. And Three from Hell, Rob Zombie Three from Hell, comes out. In September, and Critters comes out in October wow. on Sci-Fi, so it's going to be a busy fall for me. Um, but I do do a lot of the horror conventions, and I love it. I love meeting the fans and getting the stories and see product. You'd think I would have seen every product out there in thirty years, but nope. The fans still find some <laughs> new stuff to bring me, which is incredible. So I, yeah, I, I love doing everything I do. I mean, today uh, I've done already two private healing sessions and three interviews. I'm going for a meeting with my agents. I'm coming back. I've got another uh, healing session. And then tonight, another big interview. So it's it's a crazy day. It's all over the place. I go from my healing to my acting to interviewing to auditioning, and I love it all, and I wouldn't change anything. No. And, and <laughs> you mentioned, Rob, and by the way, San Diego Comic Con is amazing, so, so congratulations. I'm so happy for your continued success in so many areas, but you know, you mentioned Rob Zombie. He's used you, I want to say, in two of his movies so far. Am I right with that, or is it one? Three. Three? Oh, well, two plus one. <laughs> but... And, one thing I really love about Rob Zombie is his appreciation for the past and his appreciation for yes. the horror genre, which I absolutely can appreciate on so many levels. Yes. You know? And he's he is very dedicated to honoring the icons in the industry. He sure is. And he's the nicest damn guy. Oh my God, I just love Rob and I love working with him. Just love him. Yeah, and did you prefer, like, so is it just that like you're an actor, you'll do what you believe is, you know, interesting to you? Or do you prefer one genre over another, right? Because people know you from horror, but I've also seen you do dramas. I just want a good script with a really good part. And the more emotional and emotional arcs that part has in it, the happier I am. 
Yeah, and you mentioned you've seen it all, right, when it comes to fans, whether it's uh, something nostalgic they bring for you to sign or something they talk to you about. Do they ever catch you off guard emotionally, right? So where you're like, oh, my God, this is the first time I've seen or talked about this in 30 or 40. Like, is, do, do they ever catch you off guard in that regard to the point where... You, you know, know the, the biggest thing that affects me emotionally is when somebody comes by the table and wants to talk about Chris, Christopher Stone, my, my late husband, mm-hmm. and all the work that we did together. Mm. And um, they've... They've made a drawing of him for me, or see him getting a little kerflump just talking about it. Mm, no, yeah, I mean that's and and that's the and I, I have a feeling that you're so appreciated at these cons because you're so sincere. Because there's many actors, like not many, but some that go only go because they you know they're forced to go. Uh, you are one of these people that just loves being around people. You're a people person, and I think fans see that and, and they love that about you, D. I hope so, yeah. um, because I I really take pride in giving to my fans, loving my fans, spending time with them, you know, talking to them, helping them. Some a lot of my fans come by and said, "Do do you have time to do some healing work for me?" And that's all very gratifying, you know. Um, I just, I, I love them, <laughs> and I love interacting with them. So one of the things I did see in researching your life was this beautiful TED Talk, and I hope other interviewers have brought this up to you, because the comments that follow this this TED Talk, D are unbelievable. Like, thank you, D, and it's just a really moving TED Talk. Just talk a little bit about that. Well, TED Talks was a big dream of mine. I love them. I find them all very valuable. And so I wanted to create one, which I did last year. And I really wanted to uh, educate people on how much our little child is running the show. Um, Our brains are pretty much in place by the time we're seven years old around our self-worth and how we see our self-worth in the world. And so I use a lot of, as you saw, very personal um, examples from my own life about how they were holding me back, all these beliefs that I got from seven years old all the way back to conception, and how they were running my life now and limiting me from what I wanted to be doing. And I had uh, a couple of psychologists come up to me afterwards and said, Dee, I do this work. I do this work with clients every day. I never have heard it explained from this perspective. And both of them said we were sitting in the audience and I'm going, oh, my God, that's why I can't do this. Oh, my God, I know what that belief is now. So I, first of all, again, thank you for doing your job so well and listening to all this. And just I think people would really be able to open up their lives. You just go to YouTube and put in D. Wallace. Uh, I believe the title is Conscious Creation. Mm-hmm. And um, and watch it. It's only 19 minutes long, guys, and it could possibly help change your life. Oh, it's beautifully done. And the very last thing I wanted to bring up is your daughter, Gabrielle Stone, who 
if the book is as any good as this fantastic title, um, you have a, she has a hit on her hand. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's available. It is. I guarantee. I guarantee you, everybody, men and women, are going to love this book. Um, we're we're ecstatic about how many guys are calling and writing and going, "Oh my God, I read this book because I have to review it." And I learned so much, and I love the read. I mean, it's all about, in one year, we found out that the guy she'd been married to for a year and a half had been having an affair for six months. Mm. She went through a tough divorce, fell madly in love with another guy um, who said, oh, you have to come to Europe with me. Two days before they were supposed to leave, he said, you know, I need to go by myself. And she said, screw it. I'm going by myself, Mom. I'm The thing I'm most frightened of in my life is being by myself. I'm going to go by myself. I'm going to figure all this out. And I have to say, as a mother, there were a few things in there that I could have gone without knowing. <laughs> but I wish in all the, the relationship debacle of my early life, I wish I'd had this book. People are going to love this book. Eat, pray, FML. It's, yeah, it's available on Amazon next week. Yes, thank you so much. Uh, D. Wallace, uh, I'm going to thank you for an entire generation, and thank you for all your work. You you completed my childhood. You are just such a wonderful person, both on and off screen, and I'll never be able to repay everything you've done, not only for me, but for millions of other people. Oh, you are so sweet, and I've got to tell you, this is on the top five of the best interviews I've ever had. Oh, that's very now that now you've made. I my, mean it. Yes, I mean it. So thank you, D. Thank you, you made so it much. So easy. 